in sports sometimes it's like they put up this big ego and then there's more vulnerability beneath i think it's almost the opposite in music that sometimes thing where it's like well people just don't get it like i i have all of this all these good things and all this talent inside but outwardly they have to be like humble and gracious and like i really hope you enjoy this thing that i'm giving you so i think it's all an act for everybody but like the desired product for athletes is the confidence is the like i'm good enough to do this i'm going to do great so a lot of athletes come out the gate with all this swagger and you know a lot of that but then the desired thing in in art and stuff is like making connections and like we're you know we're doing we're in this together so a lot of the the projected image is a lot more soft and easy it's word of the third my reflections on purpose life and growth i'm toby brooks i'm speaker professor author and forever student each week on becoming undone i bring you guests who've dared bravely risked mightily and grown relentlessly high achievers who've transformed from falling apart to falling into place but every third episode is my turn to reflect refine and reprocess on word to the third it's great to be back in the studio for another episode of becoming undone continuing our reboot of my first foray into podcasting a fairly short-lived show called better every week co-hosted with my daughter brennan brooks i thought it would be great to dust this episode off recut it a bit and reproduce it here for my show now as i was listening to our conversation i was struck by the notion that it's pretty cool that we discuss the importance of being brave of viewing failure through the lenses of growth, and to recognize that the show was a little rough around the edges. Our microphones were pretty sketchy. The refrigerator kicked on mid-conversation. I mumbled into the mic far too often, but we did it anyway. The best way to get better at something is to withstand sucking at it for a while, and we did. But after just four episodes, our good intentions were overtaken by the pressures, the packed calendars, and in some cases, good old-fashioned excuses. But as disappointing as that may seem on the surface, there were victories. I learned how to host and post a show. I discovered some ways not to record and how not to edit. And while I'm still, and I will forever remain, a work in progress, I got better. And now, I'm closing in on my 50th episode. The conversation was a good one, too. In this installment, then University of Oklahoma freshman and now Texas Tech junior, my daughter, Brennan Brooks, leads the way to talk about all the ways that competitive athletes and professional artists are different, and even more so, how they're a lot alike. It's a fun topic, and I hope you'll find it informative and thought-provoking. Enjoy episode 39, Compete with Brennan Brooks. So we're here at the house after a vacation. It's all rainy outside. It's a very good podcast vibe. So... Today, we're going to be talking about performance and music and sports. Yeah, for sure. So, what we're talking about today is that um, in, in movies and usually in real life, sports and the arts are kind of like against each other, like they're opposites. It's always like the jocks versus the theater kids, the athletes versus the band kids. But I think, especially after I've like got to college where like, if someone's doing a sport or if someone's doing art, it's it's not just like, oh, I just do this for fun or I do this on the side. When it's like a career, that's when it seems like they're really a lot more similar than people usually give them credit for or like notice. So since you're an athlete who's had music experience and I'm mostly an, a musician who's had some athletic experience, I thought this would be a good one for us to talk about. For sure. This is, uh, this is one that I think 
a lot of people struggle with, honestly. I know for your brother, uh, he had to pick, and the way the schedule is, the way the schedule is blocked, you have to make a decision. You can't be in marching band and do athletics at the same time. And I always felt like that was so tragic because mm-hmm. you're you're 14 years old, and two years from now, you're going to be a completely different human being. Mm-hmm. And so, forcing someone down one path or the other always seemed counterproductive to mm-hmm. me. And I, I really like schools and, and uh, coaches and directors who recognize the value of being well-rounded. You're not doing a liberal arts degree, but I was intrigued by that mm-hmm. idea because it produces someone who's well-rounded on the end. And that's really, to me, what's most important. Mm-hmm. And I think just the way the schools are set up, too, sometimes makes it like you're choosing your team when you have to choose sports or you have to choose art and so it makes them very against each other i i'm sure like there there's just a lot of division you know in in theater we're always like oh we don't get the good funding and they get the good buses and like it just everything is kind of set up to make them opposites or against each other but i think there's some cool cool similarities and differences so we're sure. excited to talk about them today i'm looking forward to you hosting so <laughs> you are in the driver's seat today. yay oh i hate driving anyways <laughs> um so what gave me the idea for this um episode was i i've told you all the time about convocation it was one of my favorite things that i did this past semester where we would just go and we would have different musicians and people who were like doing that as their career would come and talk to us and it was just so cool it was my favorite and and we'd also have people come in and be like oh we're gonna talk about this certain aspect that will hopefully help influence you and like help you grow learn and be better in this career so for this one time where we had convocation we had this guy called Dr. Bill Moore and he came and he's a performance psychologist and he came and talked to us but he mostly works with athletes but he's done some with musicians and it just seemed very apt so the quote that I want to start us out with that he said during this talk was musicians are practicers who play or perform out of necessity and athletes are performers or players who practice out of necessity. So, to get started, I just kind of want to discuss that. What do you think? How think accurate do you a, think that is? It's a unique way of looking at it. And when I read that in your notes, I read through it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's that's an interesting take. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. For years, people have talked about how athletes want to be musicians. So, you know, they'll come out with a, a hip-hop album mm-hmm. or, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll want to produce something to kind of show their where they're already celebrities but they Mm -hmm. want to be musicians Mm -hmm. and likewise lots of times musicians you know they'll play in these celebrity softball tournaments Mm -hmm. and and, and it's like we're never content to just stay in our lane stay in our (laughs) lane right And, Mm -hmm. and i think there's there's something to that pursuit of excellence Mm -hmm. to being better to being the best wearing my team usa shirt today the Mm -hmm. thing that i loved about the olympics from the first moments i laid eyes on it was this is like what somebody could do if they devoted their entire life to the pursuit of being the best they could be at something Mm -hmm. and that just fascinated me and the thought that musicians are practicers as a singer your job is to audition to embrace that process Mm -hmm. you're never going to get good at something unless you embrace the practice Mm -hmm. side of it and you see, you'll see it as as you get older. People who are naturally gifted, that'll only take you so far. Mm-hmm. And it, it's if you can meld and marry some of your natural giftings with that same work ethic. Mm-hmm. 
people that have insane work ethic without the gifting, that's nurture, right? That's not not nature, but nurture. They'll only get so far. Mm-hmm. People that have the genetics, the the predisposition, that will only get them so far. Mm-hmm. But if you can find that 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 melding where I have a genetic propensity to be good at this, mm-hmm. and I'm going to work my tail off to yeah. to hone this craft as best I can that's when special things happen. Mm -hmm. Do you think you lean more towards, oh, you really enjoy the practices or you really enjoy like the performances? Because I know in Little League, sometimes it's like, I only ever wanted to go to practice and I didn't ever want to go to the games or I would only want to do the games and I was like, I don't want to go to practices, you know? So I don't think it's always necessarily like it says in the quote, but I think sometimes at the professional level, it gets more like extreme where like athletes are like, well, I want to go play against other teams and I want to go. And so that's the performances or the players and they'll practice so that they're good enough to do that. And then musicians are like, well, I just want to play music. And they're like, well, to make money off of it, I got to do it for other people. Right. I think early on when I was full of hope as an athlete, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I loved them both. Mm -hmm. But as I've aged and competition isn't really what fuels me anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of proving to myself that I can do it. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, a critical step here where we recognize what practice does for us. And, and how it is kind of an unlocked door to success. And when you were preparing for all region, and you would come out into this very room because mm-hmm. it was alone. <laughs> you didn't want anybody to hear you. <laughs> and you would work on your craft. Mm-hmm. And you have practice rooms now, but I would venture to say it's, it's not the same because there's just something about toiling alone. Mm-hmm. No one sees my failure. No one sees how I fall short. Mm-hmm. All we get to see is the, the end product of mm-hmm. that. And the beauty to me, and that's kind of one of the reasons I got into athletic training, is because I don't just cover the the game. Like I'm there for every practice. I'm there for things that occur before practice. I'm there for things that occur after. And I just I love it when I get to work with people who want to get the best out of themselves. Mm-hmm. So the next difference we want to look at that could be a difference, but just that like this Dr. Bill Moore proposed in his talk to us was that he said the egos in sport are much lower than the egos in music, except gymnastics, which I thought was funny. So I wrote that down. And I also think it's probably a skewed view of what he thinks because he was talking to a room of just musicians. So he's probably like, hey, I'm a sports guy, but like y'all have, what do you think about that? Do you think that there's truth in that? That's a good question. I think anytime you make a sweeping generalization like that, you run the risk of (laughs) mischaracterizing things. I don't know, have, have you encountered big egos in your major? I definitely think I have. I think it's, ah, I don't know. The arts have a way of knocking down your ego, but I think that's the same way that sports is, you know? There's, there's a lot of vulnerability in both of those, so like, there's a lot of time for people to be like, oh, haha, that thing that you worked really hard on, not good enough, and you're like, okay, <laughs> all right, where do we go from here? What we see as ego is yeah. someone's carefully constructed, public-facing version of themselves. Mm-hmm. I was never a, a really skilled athlete. No, no division, even three schools came looking for me. I was hoping to get recruited and I wasn't. And so I was always humble out of necessity. But I've worked with athletes who were recruited by major division one schools and on the surface, they're, they're super confident and they're, they're just brash and bold and you'd even say arrogant. But when I work with them when they're injured, 
they're vulnerable. That ego is very fragile. It's mm -hmm. very superficial in a lot mm -hmm. of cases. And sometimes it's like Brene Brown talks about how we armor up, how we try mm -hmm. to guard ourselves against pain. And I think in a lot of cases, until we get to know somebody, it's really difficult to say whether an ego is authentic. Like, mm -hmm. they, are they really super confident mm -hmm. or are they overcompensating for yeah. this feeling? Like you said, I mean, if, mm -hmm. if nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, you get told no, I don't know how you can be a human being mm -hmm. and not let that seep into your bones mm -hmm. a little bit. Like, why not me? Mm -hmm. And so that's a bold statement for someone mm -hmm. to come out and say, but mm -hmm. there's a lot more to it than just, mm -hmm. you know, who's got the swagger and who doesn't. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, like you said, where like in sports, sometimes it's like they put up this big ego and then there's more vulnerability beneath. I think it's almost the opposite in music that sometimes, especially because music is more, or even just like art is more subjective. It's more like, then I think sometimes artists can get this thing where it's like, well, people just don't get it. Like I, I have all of this, all these good things and all this talent inside, but outwardly they have to be like humble and gracious and like I really hope you enjoy this thing that I'm giving you. So I think it's all an act for everybody, yeah. but like the desired product for athletes is the confidence, is the like I'm good enough to do this, I'm gonna do great. So a lot of athletes come out the gate with like all this like swagger and you know a lot of that but then the desired thing in in art and stuff is like making connections and like we're you know we're doing we're in this together so a lot of the like the the projected image is a lot more like soft and easy even if that's not yeah. what people actually have or experience yeah, there's been a lot of talk about this i mean we've really started having conversations about mental health and athletes in in the recent past and there was a, a documentary that Michael Phelps helped produce after the last games called Weight of Gold. And he talks about how many athletes struggle with depression and suicidal ideation after mm -hmm. the games. And he interviewed some of, uh, they weren't just random people. These were like some of the most prolific Olympians in history, like Apollo Anton Ono and an endless list of gold medalists and, you know, mm -hmm. world's best performers. And almost every one of them talked about how once the games was over, they felt like they had this huge void mm -hmm. to the point of crippling depression. And many of them talked about the fact that as an athlete, you're taught, and you're, whether explicitly or implicitly, mm -hmm. you can't let people see that vulnerability in mm -hmm. you because that's a weakness that can be mm -hmm. exploited. And so I think a lot of that false bravado and, and swagger that we see is a defense mm -hmm. mechanism. But I think you're also right. Like, you know, is, is Taylor Swift's life really the mess that it would appear to be if you looked at her dissolve? Mm -hmm. Like, it looks like mm -hmm. every relationship she has is mm -hmm. awful. And it's almost like that's part of her brand is mm -hmm. just being authentic and open. And she mm -hmm. wrote this. And, mm -hmm. and, and leaning into those vulnerabilities. And, and you worry, well, you don't worry, but you wonder, is this fiction or is this really rooted in who she is as a woman? Mm -hmm. And it's almost to the point where we expect Taylor to write songs about her relationship drama heartbreak yeah and if she doesn't have that well now she's being fake so mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like complete opposites mm -hmm. but it's really the same thing it's mm -hmm. like society has taught me i have to be this one way mm -hmm. and if i'm not it's perceived as weakness mm -hmm. and we're not used to people being both people being you know like if, if taylor swift had like a ton of albums that are like so vulnerable about like all her heartbreaks and then she has one that has nothing to do with any of that then we're like well one of them is lying and like maybe neither is, but like we're not used to people showing both 
and showing at the same time, you know. Yeah. I think another difference that Dr. Bill Moore brought up was he said, everybody watches sport because they want to see excellence, but people watch or listen to musical performances or artistic things because they want to be brought into the feeling and emotion. So what do you think about that first? So we, coming back, we stopped, for those of you listening, obviously you know this, but mm-hmm. we stopped in Branson and we watched a musical theater production. As you often do, you and your mom always kind of debrief <laughs> after every performance. Oh, yeah. And something you said really kind of resonated with me. You said the point of song in musical theater is to express emotion when words kind of fail. Mm-hmm. And I never really thought about it like that, but it's it's true. I've never been a big fan of musicals until mm-hmm. you came along. And <laughs> I thought they were stupid and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the typical male bravado thing. <laughs> People don't spontaneously break into song. Mm-hmm. But there's something about that emotion Mm -hmm. and uh, for me it's not the up-tempo big band numbers Mm -hmm. where you know with the jazz hands at the end and and the big (laughs) Big dances and yeah it's whether it's the lead or a secondary character who is you kind of get insight into Mm -hmm. their fears Mm -hmm. and and the the doubts that they have about themselves about the decision they're making waitress has become a it's regular on my playlist. I can't believe it, but Sarah Bareilles, like just that song, she used to be mine. Is just, I've never, I haven't even seen Waitress. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it start to finish. Mm-hmm. But if I'm feeling uncertain about choices I've made mm-hmm. in my job or where I'm going to go next, I can listen to that song and immediately connect with what a waitress in a diner mm-hmm. who's pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's just something about that that is so uniquely human. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes it, mm-hmm. if you allow yourself to be open to it, mm-hmm. it makes it something that kind of opens doors in your heart that you didn't even really know were there. Yeah. On the other hand, the perfection side of things, um, we want to see excellence, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I think about the Olympics and, mm-hmm. and when mm-hmm. Simone Biles, the greatest of all time, right? And she, because of no physical injury, mm-hmm. just mentally she wasn't able to participate. That's the first time I can ever recall anybody yeah and there were people who were pretty vocal in their condemnation of her decision Mm -hmm. yeah but i think there were more people than i expected that came to her defense Mm -hmm. because the u.s olympic committee supported her as an athlete and we paid Mm -hmm. to send her over there and she just watches the games Mm -hmm. yeah but she recognized that (laughs) she was in a headspace that was dangerous Mm -hmm. and because of that she chose to withdraw Mm -hmm. And is that excellence? That's something that could be modeled. Mm-hmm. You know, how many people yeah. might have tried to gut through that to horrendous result? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there were people that would say she was a coward. Mm-hmm. What's the bravest thing to do? Yeah. To go all that way, to compete all your life, basically, and to say at the last moment, I can't do this mm-hmm. when everything's riding on it. She's got endorsement mm-hmm. deals and she's got. Mm-hmm. Little, you know the backlash. Yeah. Yeah incredibly brave Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think it's interesting because sometimes in my mind it's kind of like broadway and like the olympics are like the top of each like broadway's best art olympics is best sport but i feel like for a long time the olympics has been about excellence and that was a really cool moment where it was like hey there's feelings and emotions and and like we love the olympics because i love watching all the sports we love watching the gymnastics and you know but 
we remember those heart-wrenching commercials where you like the moments where they go and like hug their parents and they show pictures of them as a little kid and it's like oh that's so you know there's that feeling and emotion there too and I think those are important too and I think there's the flip side with art too where it's like you go to Broadway to cry at the big ballads or to really feel that but then you leave and you're like did you hear that riff did you see when he hit that note or like when they sustain that thing like they both have to have both but I think usually sport is focused on the excellence and you bring in the feelings or emotions and then art is focused on the feelings and emotions and you you have to have that excellence, you know? Those are both, they're all key ingredients, but I think it's just interesting. So my question for that is, how do you think these different focuses affect people? We kind of already talked about it, where if you're only focused on excellence in sport, if she, if she only said, I've worked this hard, I need to be good, I need to just power through and do it and be to pursue this excellence she could have died but then the same way with art if you're just like oh I just I'm just feeling the song and I'm just trying to connect emotionally to people and you don't take the time and sit and work through that hard passage that you keep messing up on and people are distracted by okay that doesn't sound right that's not the right note that could have been better then no one can connect to the feelings or emotion so are there is there anything else how do you think a performance is changed if a person, either in arts or the sports, is focusing too heavily on one or the other? That's a great question. I think just like we looked at nature versus nurture, we can also look at process versus outcome. Mm -hmm. And we love to celebrate those big accomplishments. And whether that's a sports accomplishment or landing a big role, whatever that is, that's the outcome. Mm -hmm. If that's your focus, if that's what you're all about, I guess that can be okay. Mm -hmm. But that to me seems really misplaced mm -hmm. because you control so little of that. Mm -hmm. I've, I've had this idea for a book for a long time and I've, I've gotten who it's written and have lightly started on it multiple times called Off the Podium because every one of those Olympians that you see, there was one person that, that was one mm -hmm. step below them that didn't make the team. Mm -hmm. And then when they go to the Olympics, you know, there's bronze, there's silver, there's gold. Just below that bronze is someone who worked their whole life, and they it's walk away one. with nothing. Yeah. So for every story of triumph, there's like a hundred stories of what the world would tell us is failure. Mm -hmm. You don't have to interpret it that way. But mm -hmm. if you're just off the podium, what do you do with that? Do you use it to fuel your success for either I'm going to gear up, and four years from now I'm going to come back better than ever, or I'm going to take this in a whole different direction, and I'm going to kill it in business, yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there are other people that never might recover from mm -hmm. that failure. Like It's impossible to predict how mm -hmm. you're going to go with that. But if you're solely focused on the outcome, mm -hmm. think about the senior class of 22. Who could have predicted how mm -hmm. that would have ended? There's just so much that's out of our control mm -hmm. that if all we worry about is whether we won or whether we lost, it's almost assuring you of some sort of feeling mm -hmm. of failure. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I focus, I mean, the name of this is better every week we're, we're trying to focus on the process mm -hmm. it's not called best mm -hmm. okay yeah. i'm not chasing my best because i don't have any idea what that is mm -hmm. but i want to get better every mm -hmm. day and so if i focus on the process and for you as a as an undergrad uh, that's that's what your goal is mm -hmm. it should be at least and there are people in your class that they're not there. <laughs> like not the goal at the uh, moment. <laughs> I'm, uh, if i'm here it's a, it's a w and so 
I think it's it's important for me as a professor to try to cultivate that in my students. Mm-hmm. And when students are underperforming, just don't do nothing. Mm-hmm. Because oh. doing nothing sends the message that maybe you're not important enough. Mm-hmm. Like you said, better every week, not best every week. So as a professor or as a, a student to my fellow students, for some people, better than they've been doing is just showing up. So encouraging that and then the better can start you know like meeting people where they're at and being like okay what what's better than this but it it's not like this unattainable goal it's just like okay one step above one like baby steps one at a time and we see that you see that in the arts and you see that in sports yeah. the, the transfer portal has you, you're not a sports person so you don't know necessarily <laughs> what that means but um there were rules in the ncaa that said in basketball and football and maybe some other sports if you transferred from one institution to another that was at the same level you had to sit out a year mm-hmm. and so that really discouraged student athletes from just picking up and moving so if you go to the university of oklahoma and you think you're going to be the starter you end up third on the depth chart you're buried there your options were well i can stick this out i can work through this i can try to earn my spot or if I go somewhere else, I basically have to start all over. Mm-hmm. I can't play at all next year. It's a huge demotivator for mm-hmm. me to, to, to leave. Well, the NCAA did two things. Because of COVID, they gave everybody an extra year of eligibility. And they did away with that mandatory year mm-hmm. of sitting out. And so now you see almost Chaos. this free agency where yeah. student athletes, oh, I'm not getting my playing time, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You've even seen it. Your friends, like, they they go one place and they think, well, this isn't challenging me enough. I'm going to go somewhere else so that I can grow Mm -hmm. more. And it's really more difficult for your generation than any before to find out where you need to be and plug in and then give it the time it takes. Everyone has Mm -hmm. this expectation of immediate playing time, immediate Mm -hmm. results. And kind of gone are the days of someone that goes somewhere, they, they ride the bench for three years, they work out, mm-hmm. they practice, they, they wait for their mm-hmm. opportunity, and then they shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody wants to just be the star mm-hmm. from day one. And you're discovering that in things you've auditioned mm-hmm. for as a freshman. The odds are stacked against you mm-hmm. to land places. What do you do with that? Mm-hmm. Do you shoot for a lower bar? Do you go to a smaller school? Mm-hmm. Or do you just... Keep showing up in that practice room four or five times a week Mm -hmm. and wait for your chance. Which is really hard. And I think that's because of the internet, you know? Like, just because student athletes who are like, they know of so many more places now. And you can go and you can research and you can be like, okay, well, I'm kind of riding the bench here. But I know of this list of like 20 schools that I wouldn't be because we're aware of different opportunities and places and we can travel and do that. And is that positive? Is that negative? Like, it's kind of good sometimes, but it's, I don't know. It's interesting. So we, we've kind of gone into some of the differences, which most of them that we discussed as differences were like secret similarities. But I think some of the main similarities, at least that he talked about in his speech he gave us, was just that both have aspects of performance. Not all careers are, well, I guess most careers you have like, okay, I have to go like give this presentation. There's like presentation, but there's not always... Like, performance in the same way that art and sport are similar in those ways. So do you have any thoughts or positives and negatives about performance? I read that and I was kind of (laughs) thinking through it. One thing 
I think is important is for all of us, there's a time when I hung up my basketball shoes for the last time. Mm -hmm. There there was a time when I marched in the marching band for the last time. Mm -hmm. Those lasts come at a clip. For me, they came at a clip much faster than I wanted them to. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to play, I wanted to be in the marching band and play college basketball. Like Mm -hmm. that's what I wanted. I didn't get to do either of those things. And so that's either a tremendous waste of time Or I learned something from that process. Mm -hmm. What did being on a basketball team teach me about high performance? What did being a snare drummer teach me about being part of a team? Mm -hmm. And so there's just so few that get the chance to move on to the next level in Mm -hmm. whatever it is that we kind of pursued as a hobby or as a an extracurricular, Mm -hmm. but there's still value in it. And Mm -hmm. so for me, I've taken things like just the headspace that I have before a big presentation. Mm -hmm. I I approach that in much the same way as I did before Mm -hmm. a big competition. Mm -hmm. I've got a playlist for (laughs) when I need to dominate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I didn't have the technology to do that, but I absolutely would have done that Mm -hmm. if if I would have had it. We, uh, We take little tricks like that into whatever that next step in life is. Mm -hmm. And so the context changes. We listened to Jim Gaffigan last night, and he was making fun of marching band. He's like, you put on a Captain Crunch uniform, (laughs) (laughs) and and you go march in straight lines. Um, And he was just totally kind of railing on marching band. But I learned how to work as as part of a team. I learned Mm -hmm. how if you want to be the best, you, you can't just... It's just it's not just nine to five. Mm-hmm. Like we would practice early, we'd practice late, we'd practice together, we'd practice apart. Mm-hmm. And we achieved our goals because we kind of figured that out along the mm-hmm. way. And that served me and continues to serve me even now. And I'm so thankful to my band directors who mm-hmm. instilled that in us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were a super small school. Nobody expected much out of us. Yeah. But they uh, both my junior high and high school band directors were really the first people to say, "Why not us? Mm-hmm. Why why can't we win?" Mm-hmm. And we ended up doing some things that no one expected from us, mm-hmm. and, and that served all of us well. And, and mm-hmm. that that quote about how uh, high performance is getting eighty five percent of your very best, eighty five percent of the time you can't you cannot be on all the time. Mm-hmm. You got to give yourself some cushion. Like there's going to be some mm-hmm. bad days and I might not be able to be pedal to the metal all the time either, mm-hmm. but more often than not, I want to win the day. Mm-hmm. And, and those are lessons that I learned mm-hmm. in both music and sports. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. Like when you said, when you were talking about like marching band being important, you, but you said you learned a lot about being a part of a team and you learned about practicing with other people and creating good art. That's, and I think that's funny because You know, that's what we were talking about before, where, like, music is usually focused on the connection. Like, it's not just you. Like, you're you're learning how to be part of a team, and and you're being part of, like, the feeling and the emotion and stuff. And so that's why I think it's interesting, like you said, when students have to choose one or the other, that I think you can learn a lot about performance, and you can learn a lot about how to just interact with the world from either. You can learn those same lessons maybe it'll be easier if you go into sports to learn how to have that work ethic and how to just really remain cool under pressure and that kind of thing and then if you go into art you learn a lot more about teamwork and you learn more about emotions and how to deal with those and how to express those but you can learn both and everywhere and I think that's why it's really important 
in our world today to unify both of those in sport and in art to like reconcile those where where a lot of the time sport is focused on excellence to say hey it's okay to express your emotions and put all of those into sport as well and do the same thing in art where we say okay it's really great to express these feelings and emotions make sure you're pursuing that excellence make sure you're learning that work ethic and to kind of make it more well-rounded so it doesn't matter if a kid chooses basketball or band they'll learn both either way and maybe learn it in different ways so how do you think training and preparation affects a performance think about this in terms of rehab so in rehab if if i'm trying to help you get back from knee surgery early on in rehab we'll do skills called feed forward skills that's where you know exactly what's expected of you so a 100 meter dash and track would be a feed forward skill i'm here i've got to get to there nothing is going to change i don't have to react or respond to anything but the gun and from that point on it's all about the decisions that i make Mm -hmm. that's feed forward that's simpler And we do it early in rehab because you're not yet fully recovered to the point where you can react and respond. Mm -hmm. Compare that to something like uh, you've been handed off a football in the backfield and you've got to try to get to the end zone. Mm -hmm. And there's 11 defenders all coming at you from different directions and different speeds and different heights and different weights. And you've got to try to elude them. That's a feedback skill. And that's harder. Because mm-hmm. you're having to react and respond to someone else, and you don't have the benefit of knowing mm-hmm. what they're doing. And so, when we think about preparation and performance, a lot of—I mean, there's very little in the arts that's feedback. Mm-hmm. It's like this is the script, mm-hmm. this is the blocking, and we want to drill down on this and get this as perfect as we can. Mm-hmm. And we don't want any feedback. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the magic in theater happens during the feedback. Yeah. I remember somebody dropped a, I think it was during Little Shop of Horror. It's like mm. they dropped a gun and, and, and they had to And the react. whole song. Oh my gosh, I remember that. Yeah, he was doing, we were doing Little Shop of Horrors and the guy who was Seymour, if y'all know Little Shop, he dropped the gun during the song where he's about to kill the guy. And the whole song is about him killing him with this gun. So he had to change all the words. But he did it. And he did it. you're right. That's so memorable. And and feed forward would say that was absolutely not what we planned to do. Mm-hmm. I, it, it didn't go according to plan. Mm-hmm. And a talented performer can still salvage that somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lesser performer might have just crumbled mm-hmm. and, or frozen or mm-hmm. whatever. In athletics, we don't usually have that benefit. Mm-hmm. I can't predict where you as my opponent are going to go. I can mm-hmm. watch film and I can try to learn as much as I can about mm-hmm. your natural tendencies. But my success really depends on how I adjust and adapt Mm -hmm. to those unknown variables. And there's so many more unknown variables in athletics Mm -hmm. than there are in in the performing arts. That Mm -hmm. doesn't make them better or worse. It's just mentally it's a different approach. So I can remember you practicing piano and you would consistently, like you'd botch the same measure. (laughs) And then you'd bash the keys (laughs) and start all over. Uh And unless you got through it perfectly you weren't happy Mm -hmm. and as soon as you hit that error you stopped and you reset Mm -hmm. can we do that in athletics not as often i mean i can work on footwork there are there are certainly fundamentals of my swing i mean i i I think about your brother doing Mm t-work he never got the he never got to play Mm t-ball we moved him right into kid pitch but at 15 he still does t-work and it's to refine his Mm -hmm. swing but is the ball going to ever be on a tee for him? No, it's going to be pitched to him, and he's got to mm-hmm. react and respond to the speed and the spin and everything else. Mm-hmm. So preparation in the arts, to me, 
at least, is focused on taking that known quantity and making it as almost reflexive so that mm-hmm. I don't have to think about what my next line is or I don't have to think about what the next note is. I just emote it. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm, when I'm, I can still play cadences that we played in high mm-hmm. school because they were reflexes. Mm-hmm. Drilled down on them so many times that I don't even have to think about them. And mm-hmm. I can, I can find, catch myself on my way to work sometimes drumming on the mm-hmm. steering wheel to a cadence that I played 30 years ago yeah. because that was perfection. Mm-hmm. And in sports, it's it's a different. Like mm-hmm. Perfection is, you know, I went seven for seven from the field, but yeah. I still made mistakes, but it's just a little bit of a different approach. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's interesting because, like you said, with the feedback in sports, because you're competing against, like you're opposing someone, the feedback is because you're trying to do all you can that they don't know what you're doing and that they'll be surprised with what you're doing. And then you, as a person, are trying all you can to predict what they're doing and you know so it's very much opposing to the other person whereas what little what, like you said there's there's a little bit less of that feedback in the arts but in the arts the feedback is more like okay my fellow actor in this scene we're trying to build this emotion together or we're trying to more like you, the feedback is how you can build up the product with somebody else so like, athletics it's like against and then in the arts I think it's more like together which again neither is bad because both are like essential and and I think like you said with the preparation in both the point of preparation is to do all you can to control the controllables you know I'm going to do all that I can to know my blocking know my lines or know this piece of music like the back of my hand so that it gives me the space to have that feedback with my fellow musicians or my fellow actors because we all know our parts so we can just be in this moment together and then with sports it's like I'm gonna do all I can to do the footwork do the drills know how all the tactical different like the plays and stuff so that you're not thinking about the things that you could have known before yeah I think one thing we haven't even really discussed yet is is the impact of the crowd Mm -hmm. and I think about the shows that I saw you participate in in high school opening night was almost always the best of mm-hmm. the sh- if there were two shows go mm-hmm. the first night if, because the crowd tended to be liver the lines were the same mm-hmm. delivering the same performance but you were feeding off the energy mm-hmm. of the crowd mm-hmm. and that made for a more believable a deeper a better performance mm-hmm. same thing's true in athletics where if the crowd is lively and mm-hmm. and they you find levels within yourself mm-hmm. that maybe you didn't know were there mm-hmm. and that's that's one difference from running on an empty road versus running in the Olympic Stadium mm-hmm. for a gold medal. Which of those motivates somebody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite, one of my favorite things that he said in this talk, I loved when he said that performance is not about getting better, so you have to just accept all the mistakes that happen during that time. Because I just, I've never thought about it that way. Like you said, I'm, I'm more of a practicer and I perform because I like doing the practicing. And in order to keep doing the practicing, you have to do some performing. But he said sometimes he's seen when he's worked with musicians that they can get so in their head and can beat themselves up about, okay, how what did I do right? What did I do wrong? What can I... But then 
will focus on the one thing they're like, oh, I messed up this measure, I messed up this part, I botched this line or this monologue, and they can't remember any of the positive things about their performance because all they can think of is that one thing that they did wrong. And so he was like, performance is never about getting better. Where When you're practicing, when you're preparing, that's when you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this right, I'm gonna do this, and, I'm, and it's that growth mindset. But when you're performing, the goal is not to get better, so you don't you don't have to worry about any of the mistakes that happen because that wasn't the point. And I don't know, I just, I really connected with that. What do you think of that? And especially related to sports. Yeah, I think when I read that, I thought about playing drums in church. Mm -hmm. We're taught that it's it's not performance. Like worship mm -hmm. is not performance. And me, I struggle with that because I want to do my best. Mm -hmm. I want the actions of my hands and feet to lead people into a deeper place. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that if I'm ill-prepared. Mm -hmm. And that that's a real challenging space for me to navigate because mm -hmm. I have to view it as performance, but I don't want to. Mm -hmm. But I would say in, in that respect, I, I, I tried to get better mm -hmm. during every performance. Mm -hmm. It's not a grand stage. You know, mm -hmm. It's not like the, the worship band that I play in. We're not touring the country and we're not <laughs> playing this old out arena. Mm -hmm. It's it's our it's our church and I love the people there and I want to do good and I do bonk sometimes and mm -hmm. I almost liked it better when Tay didn't know your brother didn't know as much about <laughs> percussion because he recognizes when I bonk now <laughs> much better than he used to. And as you and that's another thing going back to our discussion on Little Shop it's like the better you prepare the better equipped you are to kind of cover mm -hmm. those mistakes and kind yeah. of make up for kind of whitewash over some of those things so mm -hmm. they don't look or feel quite so obvious mm -hmm. but i think for all but the upper crust of of humanity we have to fall in love with with the practice mm. yeah for we sure. can't all be usain bolts we can't all mm. be you know the the best of the bests mm -hmm. uh, but we can all be the best of us mm -hmm. if it's me versus me that's a battle i can win if it's me versus uh a world-class percussionist, I'm going to lose every time. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe we should amend the statement that it's like performance is not about getting better. So you have to recognize all your mistakes and you can grow from them, but the purpose was not, you know, you can't keep beating yourself up about mistakes you've made in a performance because you were focused, yeah. your focus is not there. Well, I think in an athletic standpoint, this to me shines a spotlight on the people who don't practice well and mm. they just want to show up for the game and they mm. want to start you know they, they mm. complain if they don't get playing time your your opportunity to improve is not if you're a college football player it's usually not on saturday it's yeah. sunday through friday mm -hmm. and that's where you need to focus mm -hmm. and unless we're willing to accept that mm. we're probably not ever going to be the best version of ourselves yeah. we can be so use your opportunities to get better don't make your opportunities to get better because that's when it's forced to be during performance when you haven't utilized your preparation time. Despite what television, social media, and a host of other sources might try to tell us, excellence is excellence. It doesn't matter if it's on a field, a court, a stage, or a boardroom. For the high achievers among us, it's more about the steps toward success and continuing to remain true to the vision than it is about pointing out how we're perhaps different from others. As Brennan pointed out, giving our best effort and remaining true to our purpose 
That's a universal currency in earning our chances to succeed. What about you? What are you working on or waiting for? What are you doing in the meantime to get better every day? I'd love to hear about it. Surf on over to undonepodcast.com and drop me a note. Also, be sure to tune in for upcoming episodes as I talk to former collegiate athlete Dr. Quincy Conley as he shares his story of sports, school, business, and working in higher education. Also on deck, legendary strength coach Ron McKeefrey from the University of Washington drops in to share his inspiring story of his path to becoming one of the most recognized and respected strength coaches in the world. And then, former SIU Saluki star and NBA veteran Chris Carr stops by to tell his story of going from skinny kid in rural Missouri to competing toe-to-toe with Kobe Bryant for the NBA slam dunk title. This and more on Becoming Undone. I'm Toby Brooks, and this has been Word to the Third. Becoming Undone is a Nitro Hype Creative production written and produced by me, Toby Brooks. If you or someone you know has a story of resilience and victory to share for Becoming Undone, contact me at undonepodcast.com. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Becoming Undone Pod, and follow me at Toby J. Brooks. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Till next time, everybody, keep getting better.